It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. And welcome to another live edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, that's Kelvin Rozier, that's Kofi Hemingway. It's a pleasure to be on with you here on this Thanksgiving Eve. And uh, we have so much, so much to be thankful for. So uh, we and most thankful uh, for you guys, you guys who are watching us, you who have been faithful and, and taking time out to watch us, whether it's live or on replay, sharing it in the chat rooms, retweeting, making the contributions and contributing to this project. Uh, we are thankful for you. Uh, Kelvin, uh, how are you doing? What are you most thankful for this season? Well, I'm doing great, man. I'm most thankful for, uh, I think what we all be thankful for, life, health, family, friends. You know, everybody, you know, everybody's, I'm blessed right now, you know. Uh, my family and friends are blessed. You know, it ain't perfect, but we here, buddy, and, we, you know, and we got another chance on, on, on the other side, on this side, rather. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm happy for, for, for life. Amen. Amen to that. Kofi, how about you? How you doing? How you feeling? How, what are you thankful for? I'm in full agreement with my brother Kelvin, man. I mean... When you have life, when you have health, when you have strength, um, and you have the intellectual capacity to realize that somebody does not have it, you know, that somebody has less, you, you begin to be grateful and thankful for the things that you do have. 
And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I am so grateful for that. And I'm excited about the future for myself, for you all, and for Florida a University. Amen. Amen. Uh, want to encourage you, if you're watching us in the uh, YouTube or on the Facebook chats, go and hit that thumbs up button, uh, the like button. Uh, let us know in the chat rooms what are you, what are you most thankful for uh, this upcoming uh, season, of course. And uh, so we have a lot to be thankful for, Rattler Nation, we do. And so this will be a fun show. Uh, it won't be without its controversies or, you know, issues and complaints, but we're not going to start the show that way. We're going to start the show talking about how thankful we are about the good things. So this first segment, you know, before the first commercial break, nothing but the positive news, the good stuff, because we got victories, we've got championships, we got plenty of good stuff to talk about before we get into stuff that we're not happy about. So segment one, we're going to start with the big weekend. Uh, we call affectionately Saturday, November, let's see, what day was that? November 19th? November 19th, 2022 will be known as Be the Wildcat Day. That'll be for at least for the next uh, 364 days. Beat a Wildcat Day because that's what we did in two different cities. We Not only in Orlando, but then we did it out in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, as not only our FAMU football team won their, uh, their game, Florida Classic, of course, but then our volleyball team out in the uh, semifinals of the SWAC tournament defeated Bethune-Cookman to win that. So we're going to start with the Florida Classic. Uh, plenty to plenty to talk about. Uh, we were all we were all in attendance. Thanks to to those that we saw that shouted us out, uh, that recognized us. Always a blessing from that respect. So let's kind of go around the horn and kind of talk about what we liked. Uh, you know, because I think there were so many positives, and I and I think you all have said it that Saturday's game was probably our best game. I heard Coach Simmons say that. Uh, even Kelvin, you know, I, I made sure to tweet it out. Uh, cause we were, we were, we were, we were as giddy as, uh, as, as them little kids that walked into, uh, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, man. Cause that first half was about as good a FAMU football as we'd seen all season. And Hey, that's what you want to see at the end of the season, through all of the ups and downs, you want to see your team playing well and playing in their best form. And that's what I thought we had. And, and so Kelvin, I, I'll start with you, your, your big takeaways, from uh, well, the first thing I want to do is talk about uh, the tailgate action I had the blessing to be a part of. I was uh, with uh, Leon Pitts of Piston Sound, and man, he had it set out, man. Very nice tent. Man, they had collard greens, potato salad, chicken ribs, fried fish, fried chicken. Man, it was a one. Had great music and and uh, man, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the company and uh, and especially the food. I didn't, I didn't need that little Chick Fil A that they didn't want to bring to us in a, in a box because I was good. <laughs> so yeah. shout out to him. <laughs> now, in terms of uh, the the atmosphere, the attendance, I want to speak on that. I thought it was, I thought it was good, you know. You know, you got club level. The setup is a little different now. On all the end zones, is pretty much bowled in now, so the capacity is a little higher. 
in uh in the stadium than it was and um for for the most part you know i mean 55,000 plus is what the second largest crowd this year for fcs is that what the att- to, official uh, attendance Alabama, was? Alabama State, right? Yeah, I, look, that so that was the official number. I never saw the official number anywhere in print. Yeah, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was. Yeah, it was fifty-five thousand plus. Nine thirty-seven. Okay. So 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 that that, that was good, man. Um, um, it was a good showing. Uh, I was surprised, honestly, to see how many Wildcats fans were there. Of course, they still was outnumbered uh, two to one, but. But uh, they did have a good representation. Though they they fans came out and 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 supported their team. So uh, that's that's always good, man. It, it, that was a good showing. Now in the game itself, uh, I was extremely happy and satisfied. Of course, with our first half, uh, we led twenty-seven-seven. Um, we did a lot of the things I think we've been complaining about all year in that first half, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We kind of stuck with the wrong. We was creative with our play calling. Um, Musa didn't have really no bad throws where it should have been picked or or he, he read something wrong. As a matter of fact, for the game, he was, what, 15 of 19, if I'm not mistaken? Correct. Um, so he was really efficient. And um, and, and, and that, that first half was a thing of beauty, man. And then, it, of course, it got started again with the defense. Uh, a mm-hmm. couple of turnovers, takeaways early. Um, and that was done without Isaiah Lamb playing or General Hunt. Uh, I think we have our pass rushers for next year. Um, yeah. I think we know who they are. Uh, yes. And we have more than two, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So, so that was a good sign, man. Then coming into the third quarter, we just didn't have the ball much. We had a three and out. And um, in both uh, BCU drives in the in, in third quarter, there were some penalties, untimely penalties that kept drives alive, and a couple of third down conversions, where where the defense didn't get off the field. And for me, that was more credit to BC, BCU than it was our defense. <laughs> they came out after halftime. They competed. They made some adjustment adjustments. They showed some pride and some fight. And then um, toward the end of third, fourth quarter, our our Rattlers responded and um, put the game away, separated. And um, I thought that a fake punt call by coach was 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 just masterful. Didn't see it coming. Perfectly timed, very well executed. And then uh, then the the throwback to uh, Musa for the touchdown. Yeah. Again, the timing of it, where we were in terms of field position, it just made all the sense in the world. And then the, we talked about throwing to the tight end. You know, <laughs> we had a, we had a tight end that only had what three catches the whole year. Yeah, and you yeah, he, he almost doubled. Yeah, almost doubled his career yeah. yardage on one play. Yeah, so I, I, I thought I have to get offensive coaches, uh, defensive coaches, special teams. I have to. The whole team, I, it was a complete game, and um, when I like to be honest and criti- criticize when when it's deserving, and then I also have to get a praise when it's deserving, 
And um, I thought everybody from the players, coach, sports staff, everybody affiliated with the team um, really was on point Saturday, and it was a great, great victory for those Rattlers. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Kofi, your thoughts on the game? Rattlers! 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 Yes, sir. So, all day, man, uh, I want to say just I want to – echo my brother's uh, sentiments. I thought it was a very solid performance um, from the men in orange and green. Uh, every aspect of the game, um, you saw you saw bright spots from every aspect of the game. Uh, first, I want to say the uniform, the all-white uniform with the white helmets. Yes, yes clean. Clean. You know, clean. and yeah. we're undefeated in the darn white helmets. Go figure, right? Wow. So then, yeah, we're undefeated in the White Helmets. So then on top of that, um, I want to say Musa had a much better game. He was very efficient with his with his passes and with his throws. His ribs got hurt because I was wondering what in the world, you know, because I want to see Ja'Cory, yeah. but I want to see Ja'Cory under the right circumstances. But, right. you know, everybody was like, oh, well. Is Musa like, what is, you know, at first I was like, is he going out for something? But then I, you know, I just waited and then, you know, found out that Musa's ribs got hurt. So he had to sit out a series, but Musa came back and did not miss a beat. So that was one. Uh, the second aspect of just talking about offensively was I never really felt like Bethune could stop us. You know, if we stopped, it was because of our own, uh, ineptitude and play calls and just stuff that, you know, was out of character, just makeable plays that we chose not to go for it on fourth. I think if we are real aggressive and we go for it on fourth down repeatedly, I do believe that we probably could have converted, but that's neither here nor there because I felt like we played a great offensive game. Um, uh, I want to say the commitment early on, obviously, um, the, the three plays that stood out for me on offense, uh, was one seeing Musa under center twice, okay? Mm -hmm. Under center twice was great because on both of those plays that he was under center, we scored. One on a running play and the other was on a pass play. So our third down conversions were excellent. Um, obviously the double pass to from uh, Xavier to Musa was amazing. The um, the pass to the tight end to Gross was also amazing. Now, let me get over on the defensive side of the ball because my man, number 53, the transfer from Marshall was straight mm -hmm. up killing it. I mean, he was like, you know, Isaiah and General Hunt didn't even play in the game. Mm -hmm. And this guy came in and I'm like, 53 is killing him. Like 53 is coming off the end and there was like, there was like an explosion. He was always pushing his guy back and off of the ball. He was always around the football. Anthony Dunn is a straight up beast and he's got three more years. Look at your name yes, and say three more years. 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 Yeah. Three more years. Look at your neighbor and say three more years. <laughs> yeah, he got three more years. That brother there, bro, if he keeps this and he keeps progressing and whoo, that was a gem. That was a great find. 
and the fact that there was no drop off and the whole defensive line again big number 90 in the middle um it was like we didn't really miss uh a beat with that um Isaiah Major was typical black I call him black Chucky because he looked like a Chucky doll you know he got them big cheeks and everything <laughs> so I call him black Chucky but black Chucky was killing him again he's always around the football he'd be knocking people down and just playing very aggressively and uh, I want to say you know just really um, on special teams play this is the first time that we've had block kicks or block field goals in consecutive games in forever ever. I can't tell you the last time that we've had special teams play with multiple blocks, even in a freaking season. Mm -hmm. In a season, you Shout know. Shout out to Coach uh, Chili Davis. Yep. Chili Davis did that there, and just the fact that uh, the the hit that uh, Mr. Griffey had. On my man on special teams was just straight up dynamic. That was one of the biggest hits I've yes, seen outside sir. of Marquise Bell. One of the biggest hits I've seen since that. It reminded me of that Southern game back in 1999 when that kid uh, from Ooh. Southern came off the ball. And, but the only difference is the BCC dude just actually held on to the ball because I was like, I was waiting for that ball to come out <laughs> and for somebody to be running for a touchdown. I was like, okay, well, he, he got a little. Got a little swag to him. He held on to it. But just from a complete game, just it just really blessed my soul to see Musa under center and to see play action in the play and the fact that Xavier Smith was wide. I want to say wide, but wide open. Just <laughs> wide open down the field. And Musa had the time. That was the play that Musa actually got hurt on. Um, but the pass was just on the money. The catch was on the money, all of that. And uh, let me just say this about the Florida Classic. Listen, sir, the aroma was in the atmosphere for miles and miles. And I talk about the HBCU experience, but part of that HBCU experience is the aroma that is in the atmosphere when you approach an HBCU game. I've been to a Florida State game, and they tailgate, but it don't smell like that. I've been around Clemson football, and they got some pretty decent tailgate, but it don't smell like that. It's only at an HBCU that you smell that mullet coming out the coming out the grease, the catfish coming out the grease with the multiple seasonings. Then they had the turkey wings, the turkey legs. Then they had the the grilled. Oh my God, the the ribs, the chicken, the macaroni and cheese, the collard greens. Oh, bruh, they was going in. And, of course, the thing that really sets the Florida Classic apart is the conk and the conk fritters. You can't get that outside of Florida. You're not going to get conk fritters anywhere else but Florida. And it's, that's what that's the thing that really set it apart right there. It's the fried conk. You ever had one, Brian? I, I, have, I have. I have. I, but I have had one, yes. Uh, when I, only only when I came down to Florida, because prior to that, I didn't know what it was. You're right. I'm trying to tell you. You get you Ooh. some some conk fritters in the right batter with the right sauce, it's good. And the vendors were just amazing. They're everywhere. There was so much variety. And just yeah. the fellowship, there wasn't any anger, no malice, no foolishness. Mm -hmm. None of that stuff took place at the Classic. And that in itself is a real blessing. Now, let me say this. I appreciate the 55,000, right? But 
you know, in the early 2000s and mid 2000s, we were drawing 70,000, 70,000 plus. The only difference is the fact, and people say, well, the teams, even when the teams, both teams were bad, we had 60, 70,000 people. The only difference in this game and those games is the fact that Disney was the sponsor. So I'm wondering if going forward, if they can be a, even a part of the discussion or if they're willing to be a part of the discussion, because I believe that, um, you know, they add so much more to the engagement of the local. And I want to say because of Disney's media influence on a national level, Disney was able to bring that exposure. But that's bruh, it was a straight blessing. That's a good point you just brought. I forgot about, you know, I one of the things I was, my only, you know, harping thing was about uh, living, being an Orlando resident. And I had several people that did not know the classic was happening. So uh, in terms of reaching out to the local community, it was a fail. I'd give it a big F. And you and I did I didn't factor in the influence of Disney. And when they were a sponsor, those things that you brought up, Kofi, because it was noticeably I had people tell me when they arrived at the airport, there was no signage, or at least from what they saw about the Florida Classic. I, I mean, again, people in downtown Orlando, people in the outskirts didn't know the game was happening. And it was like, oh, the Florida Classic is happening this weekend. And I would just look at them and say, yeah, this weekend. So from that perspective, you know, hey, we just agreed to have this classic for four more years. I hope, I really hope the the consortium of of uh, of people really address and look at their marketing and advertising because that that difference, Kofi, that fifty five to seventy is probably about ten thousand local people. I'm trying to tell Honestly. you that yeah. is that well, is well, really well, the well, difference with successful classics and unsuccessful classics. You're going to have a fan base. FAMU's going to bring their 30,000 people in in the state of Florida. We're going to bring our 30, especially to the Florida Classic. I want to say at least 25, right? We know when the game is, we're going to beat it. You ain't got, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cookman's going to bring another fifteen to 20,000 people that's legitimately, wholeheartedly committed to Cookman. The engagement of the local community is what sets the classic apart. And, and even when we were in Atlanta, it's the, it's the local engagement that sets it apart. You know, when I remember when Disney had the game, the, the advertisement that was on social media, uh, when it was first starting the advertisement that was in Ebony magazine, it was in jet magazine. It was in all the major black publications and newspapers around the country. So everywhere you look, there was an advertisement about the Florida Classic. And the only other classic that advertised on that level was the Bayou Classic. You know, I, I, think, it, I, I, think, we, I, I think we simplifying it a little, a little though. I think it's a little bit more, more to it because there were another 20, 30,000 people out there that could have came in the stadium. Um, I think we've kind of priced out uh, some of the people, frankly, because uh, of how we do the tickets and how they're sold. I, don't, I, I think we should just flat out have the third section tickets available 
sell them at $15 and call it a day. Uh, so that's affordable for families of five and six or larger who, who are low income or at least have some sponsorship to give it to local youth, whatever the case may be. But uh, I, I think that's part of it. And then um, UCF, U, U, USF, and some of those schools when we first went to Orlando didn't have the biggest of presence, you know, because they never had really football. Now you've got a decade or two of those kids who are in that local market and some of the fans there in our local market who who, who uh, identify with those schools. So uh, there's a little bit more competition in the market also. And then the economy and, and, and things that's going on uh also factor in so i i don't think it's just just the disney presence that's missed i do agree that some of those marketing things are are, are could be better but but there were there were plenty of people at the stadium and around the stadium too uh that didn't come in so so i think we have to look at all the factors Right, right. Uh, we we can table table this and come back to this a little bit later in the show because I know there were other little there were other little tidbits about the game that I wanted to to mention and and we'll try to do all that. But you guys did a great job of hitting those uh, main points. I I want to make sure we also hit in this first segment the fact that our women's volleyball team won their second consecutive SWAC championship, and I got to say it first started when they went out to. Uh, Houston for the award ceremonies and that's where the Rattlers dominated the SWAC uh, player awards uh, as for the second consecutive year we had the player of the year the setter of the year the libero of the year and newcomer of the year while leading the conference with five all SWAC honorees Ms. Dominique Washington was the is now the two-time SWAC Player of the Year. Uh, she was also an all-SWAC first team. Um, I think one of the things that uh, was unique about Dominique this year is she, uh, let's see, she averaged four-plus kills per set during conference play, had the highest hitting percentage of any SWAC player with 200-plus kills during conference play, um, and she was a top contributor on the defensive end, finishing second on the team with 272 digs, that's about two and a half digs per set. Aramu Carr, the setter of the year for the second consecutive year, uh, a league average 10.76 assists per set, had uh, 200 more assists than any uh, than the setter with the second most in the conference. Brooke Hudson won the libero of the year and, and was also all SWAC first team. Uh, she was one of the best defensive players in the nation. So just check on the roster. It's funny. We, we lost the libero of the year last year. We brought in the libero of the year from the previous year. And then we won the libero of the year with a new, I mean, just ridiculous what coach uh, UMass has brought in. Uh, but back to Brooke, um, she finished with a uh, 487 digs, which was, Top 50 in the nation, first in the SWAT, uh, led the league in total digs, total digs per set, and uh, averaged 10-plus digs in 28 matches this year. Brooklyn Watts was the newcomer of the year as an outside hitter, all SWAT first team, uh, finished seventh, averaging, uh, let's see, during SWAT play, she finished seventh, averaging three kills per set. 
finished eighth in points and points per set during SWAC play, had 10-plus kills in 12 matches, recorded a season-high 21 in the win at Alabama State in the beginning of the season. Um, so, I mean, she also contributed defensively, finishing with 218 digs. She was the newcomer of the week four times during the season and even was an offensive player of the week. Aja Jones made all SWAC second team as a middle hitter. Um, she finished the season with 218 kills. That's about two kills per set. Uh, a 342 hitting percentage, which led the SWAC, uh, had uh, 119 kills in SWAC play, had 10-plus kills in nine matches, and had a season-high 16 versus Elon. I believe Aja will be returning. And, you know, the only two players, I think, on that list that we lost or will lose to to eligibility graduation is Dominique and Iram. So that that's how we started. That's how we started the tournament. Then the ladies did what, I mean, we all expected them to do, which was to go through the uh, championship rounds. And they technically, they swept everybody, guys. The fact that they went through and they swept their opening round opponent, we ended up in the semifinals sweeping Bethune. And then we got into the championship match against Alabama State, the only team that we lost to all year. Uh, and, and they are the only team that, uh, or, or I think we are the only team they lost to. So, so basically, it, it's very similar to last year with Jackson State. But this year, it didn't go five sets. I mean, we beat them 25-22, 25-19, 26-24. Uh, a beautiful win for uh for for the lady rattlers and um i, I mean you know i mean it's a, it's an outstanding year uh you know and there, and there they are celebrating in their full glory of course if you're watching us on youtube or facebook there's that championship photo uh from sunday when they won um i, I i'm i think that it was a great crowd great reception for them as they returned on monday uh, Kelvin, you you watch this team. You paid attention closely. Coming up in hour two, we will have Coach Gokhan on with us in hour two. But Kelvin, before we go to break, I want to give you a chance to kind of expound or share your thoughts about what we've accomplished in these two in these first two years in the SWAC with our volleyball program. So this was our second year with twenty plus wins. Uh, we we got we're twenty one and twelve right now. Uh, we we went through the conference with only one conference loss two years in a row now, to include postseason one conference loss. So we are a dynasty at this point right now. Uh, we the flavor of the month. So uh, uh, coach coach Gokhan he knows what he's doing and he's doing more with less. I want us to do right by him. So you can have a full-time assistant and maybe a grad assistant and uh, do a little bit more for the program to get the uh, Gaither gym going with the uh, scoreboard, PA systems, and everything in locker rooms so that he can have a true home court advantage uh, using that facility if he so cho chooses um, and as it was designed to be. But uh, uh, And fitting for a championship program. We always talk about we want championships. Well, we've got two of them now, and the kids are graduating. They represent us well, um, mm -hmm. and um, you know they they've earned it, you know at this point. So, 
I'm really proud of the job that they've done and 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 their success. And um, I, I just will. I hope they get fortunate enough to get a a good draw. Usually, because of regional stuff, they probably have to go to UF again, Gainesville. But it would be nice if, like, maybe Florida State was a was a host or someone else in the state that that we get a chance to uh, uh, play. Someone other than um, Florida. Yeah. I hear yeah. You. Yeah. 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 So, but man, but I'm excited, man. I'm. I'm uh, I, I can't wait for NCAA play, uh, and and if it's close by, I'm gonna try to see if I can find a way to to make it and support them. And um, of course, I I be excited for what's to come. I I hope that with the fact that our uh, new AD uh, is a a volleyball alum and a, and a diehard. I mean, she was a she was probably a Hall of Famer, given her time when she was at uh, Virginia State. I would I would love for volleyball to get that kind of love and and some of those things be on the priority um, because that sport is near and dear to her heart. So I, I'm just middle you know fingers crossed that you know I know there's a lot of things that need a lot of attention, but you know sometimes when you have a sport that's near and dear to your heart because you played it, you, you kind of you know the sport gets a little bit of love. Maybe get an extra you know like tomorrow at Thanksgiving you know. Kofi, you gonna get the big, you gonna get the big piece of, of the meat. You know, you gonna get the big, the big turkey leg because you know you you pop, you know pop gonna get the big turkey leg. You know, even though you, 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 the other folks gonna want it, you know you ain't giving up the turkey leg. Uh, am I right on that, Kofi? Absolutely. Well, we're not doing uh, turkey this year, just for the record. But I get you. I understand. Oh, we oh we gotta we, 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 okay. We we can talk about that later. We, we are here. What? Whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on. I got to talk with you fellas. We'll, you. we'll talk about, we'll talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about menu uh, later on in the show. Kofi, real quick, before we go to break, anything you want to add about the volleyball team before we go to break? No, I'm proud of this team. Um, you know, we have a partnership with uh, Coach Gokhan and the volleyball team. And, um, you know, people, people don't understand uh, the full gamut of, of what it means a to a uh, how hard it is to run a program at the on the highest of seven hills. Um, there's adversity that you face with your team, but the adversity that you go through behind the scenes, um, getting players eligible, finding a spot to practice, finding and scheduling a game facility. All of those things, and even you know, just like we could be so much better if we had all of that stuff goes in and gets factored in to the greatness. So to get uh, the level of quality to be able to acquire the level, uh, the quality athletes that he's been able to acquire, and then not only acquire them but develop them to a championship level, um, maintain them, maintain the level, and and win championships, which is really what it's all about. Win the regular season, but at the end of the day, we've got to win the tournament, you know, and that's the goal. We we know that going in, come hella high water, we got to win the darn tournament. That's what it's about. And he got our girls, our, our ladies, our, our women in peak position to win the tournament. And they swept the team that beat them about a month ago. So all of that 
uh, speaks to development. It speaks to the toughness of this team and the fact that they were able to battle through that and win it. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Drop those, uh, you know, we drop, drop those donations, those Rattler Athletic Fund donations on behalf of FAMU Volleyball. Let's see, two titles. That's uh, that's that's at least 20. That's 10 for each title in the swag. You know, if you really want to go, that's our, I think it's now our 15th conference title. So, yeah, you, you want to add 10 times 15, that's 150. If you want to just every year they win it, but I'm, you know, we'll stick to 20 in the swag. Make a $20 contribution to the Rattler Athletic Fund in the name of FAMU Volleyball for uh, winning that SWAC championship two times in a row. We're going to take a two-minute break in just a second. Coming up on the other side, yeah, we're going to talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it alone because we've got Stan Becton of NCAA.com coming to talk to us. Stan was one of the only people, only people who in his predictions thought FAMU had the uh, had earned their way into the playoffs. We're going to find out why so many others didn't and possibly find out why the selection committee didn't as well. Coming up on the other side, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Star Backyards Yellowwood brand pressure treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant quality sheen to gravies and sauces.
Go ahead, Brian. Okay. I don't Okay, I don't think uh the audio was coming through there um cuz I was I was checking it on another channel. So, uh we'll try to see what we we had hoped to be able to play there on the comeback uh out of that commercial break was Coach Simmons uh message to to Rattler Nation on Monday morning. And I love the way that he he did that and just talking to us talking to Rattler Nation just to uh, just to let us know uh, not only their uh, disappointment in not being selected by the NCAA selection committee into the playoffs but also his appreciation I hear the audio in the background let's see if we can go to it live let's let's try to reboot that so if our producer Mel wants to try to run that let's try it now Rattler Nation's head football coach, Willis Simmons here. Um, obviously a very disappointing day for our program uh, after getting word that we didn't get invited to the FCS playoffs. Um, you know, my heart just goes out to these young men. They fought for this program. Uh, they've done more than we've ever asked. And uh, they did what they needed to do on the football field to show that they were deserving uh, of an opportunity to, to play for a national championship. Uh, but this is a resilient group of guys. Uh, again, I hate it for the seniors. So what better way to send those guys off than a resounding win in the Florida Classic? Um, I'm proud of them. Um, words don't uh, do justice of what I feel about this program, about these young men, and uh, my heart just continues to go out to them. And um, but they're they're going to be successful in life because of what we've endured this year. So, Rattler Nation, thank you for your support. Uh, we continue, we'll need it moving forward. Um, this is the last time we want to see our young men uh, be shortchanged, and uh, we want to control our own destiny. So, thank you guys. We love you all. Uh, as always, go Rattlers. All right. Um, so there we had the uh, comments from Coach Simmons. Uh, let's do, we've got Stan Becton from NCAA.com. So let's bring Stan in and we can kind of kind of talk uh, because, again, in the lead up to, you know, a lot of people's predictions and analysis of the playoff field, uh, Stan was one of the few who actually the only one that I came across and, and there were several, whether it be from uh, stats analytics. Uh, I didn't see whether Zach uh, Blue Bloods did one or not, but uh, Sam Herter of uh, all the anyone who was doing pre predictions, um, none of them had FAMU in their uh, selections in their pre uh, um, I guess it would have been the, the lead up to. So uh, do, we, do we have Stan uh, ready to be ready to join us here, producer Mel? 
There we go. Wait a minute. There we go. All right. There he is joining us right now. Stan Beckton, of course, of NCAA.com. Stan, it's a pleasure to have you on with this evening. How you doing? Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Glad to be back on the show. All right. All right. Uh, so let's jump right into it, Stan. Now, when you did your your preseason or not preseason, your your pre-selection of the FCS field, uh, with what was it that you and, and and I guess if you would juxtapose this against what actually turned out, you know, what do you feel? What did you get right? Obviously, what did you get wrong? And and where was the where was the disconnect? Do you feel between what you thought of FAMU's resume and what turned out to be the selection committee's view of their resume, FAMU's resume? Yeah, so I had FAMU as one of my last uh, two teams in. So it really came down to those last two spots. When I was doing my bracket predictions, I actually picked FAMU and Rhode Island to make the picks. And first, um, for that Rhode Island pick, I'll jump there first. So the commit it was between Rhode Island or Delaware um, for me to make that pick. And Rhode Island got that last spot in. I had them slotted behind uh, FAMU in my predictions. But with the committee picking, picking Delaware, um, Delaware has that FBS win um, from that CAA. Um, so they would probably bump above FAMU for that last spot in the committee's eyes. In my eyes, I picked Rhode Island because Rhode Island had less FCS losses compared to Delaware, but Delaware um, had that FBS win, so they took that um, 12th spot. But then when you look at FAMU um, and challenging for that last spot with Montana, I personally was of the opinion that FAMU should get in over Montana. I felt there were a couple teams that should have got in over Montana because Montana had no quality wins, four FCS losses, even though all those losses were to ranked opponents, teams that made the playoff field, there were still four FCS losses. Um, you had teams like Austin P, who had um, their – they lost to um, Jacksonville State, who's an FBS transitioning team. They played Alabama the last week. They lost to another FCS team. They beat a team in the playoffs. So that was a team I had over Montana. I had Chattanooga over Montana. And, of course, I had FAMU over Montana. And for me personally, looking at FAMU, I looked at what the committee did last year. So nine and two last year, nine and two this year. Um, and then I figured if they were good enough to make it last year, of course that defense isn't at that same level. So that probably pay, played a little bit into the committee's decision. I'm not on the committee for those who don't know, even though I work for NCAA.com. <laughs> Just want to make sure that's clear. I'm, I'm not right, on the not, committee. Go. Do not send hate mail to Stan, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No hate I'm, mail I'm to Stan, not he's not on the committee. <laughs> I'm glad you yeah, said that. Yeah, I work for NCAA.com, but I'm not on the committee. I did not see the bracket until everyone else saw the bracket. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't see the bracket until everyone else saw the bracket. But FAMU, 92 last year, 92 this year, I figured they should make it based off of nine wins, eight FBS wins. No one else had more than seven, um, only one FCS loss. FBS losses, of course, don't factor into the committee's evaluation. Um, so I figured that would be enough, but of course, committee went the other way with Montana. And my personal opinion, just going back to maybe why the committee might have gone with Montana is, um, well, first let me break down the some of the committee's um, factors they factor in. So I haven't written it down here because I had to do this in my uh, 
bracket predictions earlier in the year. Um, so they look at strength of schedule, non-conference record, strength of non-conference record, and recent uh, postseason performance are some of the things they look at. So um, mm. with it being Montana, you know, Montana's a big FCS name and whatnot. I figured that's probably part of the reason why. So you look at that recent FCS performance, Montana won a couple games last year in the playoffs and whatnot. Um, their non-conference record um, probably wasn't – it was better than FAMU's, but it probably wasn't too good just based off of who they got in that uh, Big Sky NVFC battles. But it really probably came down to their strength of record with those four losses coming to, like, ranked opponents and things like that. So that's probably why the committee chose that. I still think that my, if they were going to use that reason, they could have picked a team that wasn't Montana. Um, but I, I, I think it probably really came down to that recent postseason for them. Go ahead, Kelvin. Wait a second, you're on mute, Kelvin. I promise I got a question for you, Stan, but before I, I throw that question at you, I just got facts I'm going to throw at you, right? And it's going to center around those seven and four teams and those teams that got in over FAMU. And then um, then the second part of what I'm going to present is just, you know, I, sometimes folks talk about shrimp schedule and, and the swag as a conference. And, um, you know, so so I, I hope – I was surprised when I when I started looking at some of this stuff. So, so um, I – I think it's good information for this discussion. So first of all, I'm going to talk about the teams that got in. Um, we talk about the University of Delaware getting in. Um, do you know that they had three wins against HBCUs? Morgan State, Hampton, and Delaware State. Out of their seven wins, it was three HBCU wins. Um, and they lost three of their last four games including their last game to a five and five Villanova team. That resume coming into postseason, three out of four, you lose in November. You beat three HBCUs out of your seven wins. And then they weren't the good ones. They weren't the Jackson State's and FAMUs they would beat neither. Right? That don't earn you a playoff bid over a 92 FAMU. Now that's just the fact. That's that's they that's that that's what you're rolling with. Montana, 74. They lost they lost four of their last six games going into uh postseason. But more importantly, and that included a, a blowout lo blowout loss to Montana State. Saturday, 55 points put on them. And you know what their two wins were? Out of the four, they lost four, but the two wins. One in ten Idaho State and four and seven Portland State. I mean, that's their resume. That ain't my opinion. Okay. Idaho lost two of their last four games. They lost to a six and five uh UC Davis. Um their last three wins, the same as Montana. Idaho State, one in ten, Portland State. Four and seven, and Eastern Washington University three and eight. Same Eastern Washington University that barely got by at home against Tennessee State the first game of the season. All right, 
Southeast Louisiana, 8-3. They did come in at least on a winning streak coming into the playoffs, right? They, they were winning games. But, Wait, but you I don't want to cut you off with, with Southeast no. Louisiana. They got the at-large bid, so you can't factor them in. They got the at-large bid because they won their conference. You mean they got an automatic bid? Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, they got my okay. fault. Automatic, yeah. Automatic, yeah, 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 so they, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, keep yeah. going, keep going. You're saying it's against the like, people. I like yeah, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, but, but they wins. They're wins. One and ten, Lamar. Four and seven, Matt Nice. Three and eight, Nichols. Four and seven, Northwestern. I mean, I could go on. I have East Kentucky and North Dakota who got in at center four, too. The point being is these teams weren't beating good teams. They weren't beating teams with winning records, right? Their conferences weren't mega strong conferences, right? So when we talk about, for me, strength of schedule, uh, you know, that's subjective. And at the end of the day, strength of schedule is just one of the formula. There's other things, like you mentioned. There's a, a, a FCS wins. Fam, you, fam, you in F, FCS games are 8-1 for two years in a row. Um, Out-of-conference games. I mean, everybody just ignore that we played North Carolina uh, the first game of the season. 8-2 uh, North Carolina that's competing for uh, ACC championship and um, and was went into the fourth quarter down 34-24 to in that game. You know, everybody bring up the Jackson State game. I just told you what Montana, that was for our first two games of the season. Dealing with compliance issues and all that stuff. They supposed to be able to consider that kind of thing too. Uh, we we hasn't we didn't we didn't have all our players, but we just talked about Montana State steamrolling Montana at the end of the year, fifty five points. So uh, I just really think um, that there's a serious bias there and a lack of inclusion, and that's my issue. Um, if you're going to apply things, you need to apply it equally to all the conferences and all the schools, and of course that doesn't happen with HBCUs. Um, uh, and then the one other thing I want to talk about before I, I, I let um, Stan respond to some of this is that uh, people seem to think that the uh, SWAC doesn't play out-of-conference FCS. So I took a look at it. And, and, and the schools that did play out-of-conference FCS, right? Of course, fam, you played South Carolina State, who was the defending MEAC champions. And expected to be the MEAC champions. They were afraid to be the, predicted to be the, the MEAC champions again. All right, so found you against FCS out of conference one and zero. Jackson State was one and zero. They played Campbell. So those are two best teams in the conference. But you know, the out of conference was the out of conference. Uh, Alabama State played Howard, who was a co-champion for the MEAC. They were one and zero. Alcon played Manise State, beating thirty to nineteen. That same Manise State, Southeastern Louisiana, beat them 28-27. And then um, as Alcon had a, they were one and one. They had a close loss to Stephen F. Austin, 31-27. Gremlin, a bad Gremlin team, beat Northwestern North State, blew them out, 47 to 21. This year, Prairie View was one and two in um, out of conference games because they're in testing. There's a lot of FCS schools in Texas. They play Abilene Christian, which was a, who who ended up being seven to four in their conference. I mean, yeah, and um. 
That game was a competitive game, 21-13. They also played UIW, who's a, a top seed. That game ended up being 31-14, double-digit loss. But, I mean, at, at, at points it was competitive. And then they blew out Lamar. Blew him out, 54-21. Valley, a bad Valley team, played Tarleton and Austin P. Uh, so I guess my point is the SWAC and HBCUs play out of conference, and they just as competitive as those teams in those conferences when they play those same schools, number one. So this whole argument for me of, you know, projecting what FAMU and Jackson State or, you know, a top HBCU would do against – uh, their counterparts, uh, well, we do have some comparative data that, you know, the top end, the top end um, HBCUs would be just as competitive against those teams as as the bottom teams were against the teams and the bottom teams in those same conferences. So uh, I, I just think, you know, nine wins is nine wins. That's a fact. We can't control our conference, you know, who, who wins our conference, but, you know, we had – Two winning teams in our on our east. We were in the east division, right? So Jackson State was uh was in our division. Alabama State is in our division. Who sits and four probably be seven and four after tomorrow. Um, and, and we play Southern, who may represent the West. Um, and uh the swag. So I mean, I just think those facts say a lot. And if you look at it, that's that's not opinion. Fam, you should have been in. What what say you, Stan? Yeah, like, all that makes sense. Like I said, I thought FAMU should have been in when I made my predictions, um, especially the point you made about Montana. They didn't – they beat Idaho State, um, all of them and whatnot. I would say with Idaho, though, even though Idaho um, entered losing losing one game, losing the game two weeks before and winning its last game, it did have a win that over a Montana team that was ranked number three at the time, and it was ranked, I think, like, in the top 20. Um, the last week of the regular season. So that helped them. That's why I had them as, like, a guaranteed as long as they won type of thing. Um, but as far as Delaware goes and go, those final two, it really was that FBS win, in my opinion, that carried them. Um, because, like like you said, you guys played North Carolina, but when the committee looks at it, they don't factor in FBS losses for any team um, in that discussion because they know that you're not supposed to win those games. So even last year when you guys lost to uh, – what, South Florida, they didn't factor that loss in. So it doesn't really matter unless you win that game um, as, for, as far as, like, how they look at it in that aspect of it. But I really think I want to get back to one point. They get credit for beating Navy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, get, yeah, you yeah. get credit for winning, but you don't get credit for losing. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's kind of how it works with that. Yeah, you get credit yeah, for winning. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Because, you, you know, uh, you'll have some FCS teams, they'll play two FBS schools, and then you might go seven and four and lose two FBS games. So now it's like, well, are they seven and four really, or are they seven and two? So that's how why they don't factor those in, because you might play um, different things. But um, when it comes to you guys, like what I did really after the committee decided family wasn't in was compare you guys' resume, like, amongst yourselves last year and this year and then like last so you guys went nine and two both years but the biggest thing I think it really comes down to how you guys went nine and two I think probably played another factor um, that I don't think a lot of people are talking about a lot of people are saying you guys beat a d2 team 
Um, and of course that does factor in a little bit less. So like how FDS win factors in more, D2 win factors in less when the committee does it based off of the um, guidelines and stuff they have out there. Also, if you guys wanna see the guidelines, any like listeners or fans watching, you can go just search FCS, just go to Google, search FCS and then type NCAA.org. And then when you click that NCAA.org link, just go to the uh, pre-championships manual. And then it has like a bunch of guidelines they use for championship selections and all of that. Um, but then we're just looking like more specifically into you guys' schedule. So this year you guys beat Albany State by 10 points, but last year you beat Fort Valley State by 27 points. But then like in the conference, you guys had a, what, 13.67 margin of victory this year, but a 19.44 margin of victory. No, a 19.4 margin of victory last year, 13.67 margin of victory this year. So you guys are beating teams more effectively last year than this year. Of course, that goes into like what I said earlier about your defense being like top 10 last year and all of that. So that probably was another thing they looked at when it was looking at like, okay, some of these games are close, like Alabama State needing that block kick or whatever to win. I mean, of course, he has to make the kick for you guys to lose. But that they look at stuff like that. And really, I think it just came Man. down to how you got <laughs> Man, 42, 41. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. We, were, we were not dominant. dominant. We, 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 only, we, only, we won by double digits still, but we weren't as dominant. But so was everybody else. Why yeah, that's, but that's, that's, that's really the thing. I think when it comes to evaluating that and then evaluating family being from the SWAT, I know you gave all those facts about the non-conference. I love how the SWAT played non-conference, honestly, especially Prairie View. Prairie View, they, their quarterback missed some of that UIW game. I think they had a chance to make that game a little bit closer if he played in that game, watching that game. But just looking at um, the SWAC's not, they played those games. Now, they didn't win as many of those as you would like, but they played those games. So I, I can't fault them for like not playing those games when it comes to that strength of schedule. But I think when it comes to you guys in non-conference, South Carolina State let you guys down. They're supposed to be better. If they if South Carolina State wins a MIAC, I think you guys probably get in because that looks like, okay, we beat a conference champion. Got to get, get them in. But then I just think that at the end of the day, when it came down to it, the biggest thing I think when it comes to picking Montana or FAMU for that committee probably was that recent postseason success. So they probably looked at how the SWAC hasn't won a playoff game and then how FAMU did last year in the game when that team would be perceived as better based off of the statistics of that team. And they probably looked at that compared to a Montana team where they know their recent history in the playoffs. And they probably said, okay, we're going to go to Montana since it's closer. I think I personally wouldn't have done it. I think if you got nine wins, you deserve to get in. But I think that's probably what they looked at and probably was the final, like if they had to flip a coin, that's probably what made, made them like tilt the table a little bit. So it lands on that side. Kofi, go ahead. You're on mute. You're on mute, Kofi. Go ahead. We can't hear you, Kofi. Kofi, we can't hear you. There we go. Can you hear me? Uh, Brother yeah. Kelvin definitely hit it out of the park um, with this facts. Um, in addition to that, um, 
what what really concerns me i think when you when you come up with stuff is how the message or uh how the rules are implemented and my problem with it is that it's very inconsistent you know whether for hbcus whether you have quality wins or don't have quality wins if they want you in they find a way to put you in case in point in 2019 south carolina state beat a 15th ranked wofford team their only losses were to famu north carolina a t and uh clemson <laughs> famu a t and clemson south carolina state deserve to be in the fcs playoffs if they're looking at quality wins but when they find a reason not to put you in they say well oh, well they played lane get out of here i mean they're freaking playing lane they played uh auntie fam you and they played a wofford team who at the time was ranked 15th in the country um you know obviously with the swack and the miak we gave up our seats at the table when we chose the celebration bowl so there's nobody in the room that's going to argue on our behalf to say hey hey wait, wait, wait. this isn't right you have to consider this you need to look at this let's look at the fact that north carolina central beat multiple teams out of conference they beat multiple teams out of conference yet they lost to south carolina state by two points and they beat North Carolina A&T. So, you know, to win these games, whether it's a game, whatever, it's not easy winning multiple games and winning games consecutively, let alone nine in a freaking row. If you win nine in a row, you've got a good team, whether you win by three, whether you win by 10, whether you win by 15, or even one point, if you win the game, you're a winner. And I think that a lot of that needs to be considered. All data that goes into these computers has to be input by somebody. And it comes down to the fact in terms of what the people at the table want to consider relevant information or irrelevant information. And if a conference has more people talking before the meeting or even after the meeting, and you don't have anybody on your behalf to have those conversations with those people they'll be like oh well you just beat alabama state well look alabama state allowed 44 points to ucla usc just scored 45 allowed 45 points by the same ucla team so alabama state's defense is legitimately good on the fcs level but they don't value our they don't value our conference they put our conference like uh one of the lower rated conferences well, who in the world is rating these systems you know who who is rating the conferences to say this conference is better than that one and this one is better than this one xyz north dakota state has dominated the entire fcs the last 10 years it's not like multiple teams from all these raggedy conferences are winning national titles it's been one team that's been extremely dominant it's been North Dakota State and everybody else. And it's probably going to be pretty much the same thing. But they weigh, they say, okay, well, quality win, quality win. Howard had beaten UNLV. And I think that they beat Kent State in 2018. 
No, they they were close though. It was a close they were game. close. Okay, but they beat UNLV, and that was the third or fourth place team in the conference. They did third or fourth place team in the MEAC, and we didn't even find a way, you know, to get these guys competitive or in the playoffs to even have that conversation. So I said all that to say, the committee looks at what they want to look at. You know, and if you don't have representation at the table, you know, or anybody fighting or lobbying for you on your behalf, more than likely you're going to miss out. Yeah, I definitely got to agree with that. I think that if you guys had somebody from the SWAT or maybe from the MEAC, I'm not sure if they're going to vouch for you guys, giving you guys left. But if you guys definitely had someone from the SWAT, I think for sure they would have uh, been able to, like, even if they didn't, because I know, for example, if someone say it was someone from a um, Eastern Kentucky on that committee, when they bring Eastern Kentucky to the table, I know since it's that same school, they have to go out. I'm not sure if it's the same, if it's the same conference or not. But regardless, even if they that person did have to go out, I think that person could have vouched against those other bubble teams in a way. Just knowing that they can be like, okay, no, we see this these things. So I think that would help having that representation. I'm not sure that who has to talk to um, who to get you guys some of that representation since you guys are still eligible for the playoffs, even though you guys don't send your at-large um, bid. It's way different than the Ivy League. The Ivy League, they say no. I don't get that. That's a whole different story. But since you guys are still eligible, I think you guys – should as a conference be able to have representation if you guys um, send somebody. I don't know exactly how that would go. Haven't really gotten to the weeds of that. So that's a good point you make there. And yeah, like like you said, nine wins is nine wins. Um, that South Carolina State team, that's fifteen. I don't know who else were. I've heard that a couple a couple a couple times this week. At that point, a couple times about South Carolina State that team back in uh, twenty nineteen. I think you said I've heard that point a couple times. I'm not sure who got those last at-large bids back then, but um, definitely I think when I hear it just off the top of my head, eight and three, top 15 win, that sounds like a playoff-worthy resume, especially given one of those teams they lost to won the conference. So that team, I think, based off of just the resume, just hearing that team alone sounds like a team that should get in. I still think, fam, you should have got in. Nine wins is not – I don't I, – I don't get it, but, I mean, right – I know you guys have to be more hold that more because that's your team. Me, that's I have my to team, right? On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I gotta move on. <laughs> right. So that's I that's my team. That's our team, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, Dr. King said an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So we looking at the fact that you know there's inconsistency in what they're picking. Now there'll be those that will say, okay, well, what were your quality wins and who did you beat? I'm like, look, all your wins is quality. All of your wins are quality. If you win the game, as my man say, why do you play? You play to win the game. That's why you out there. Did you win the game? Yes. There's no way in, in, in on God's green earth that a four-loss Montana team <laughs> – with with no quality wins should be in over a 92 fam you i get it you barely lost but you lost you lost you didn't win the conference you weren't in first or second place you're in third or fourth place 
in a conference. You aren't even competitive in your conference. How are you going to win a national title? Why are you in the yeah, playoffs? Yeah, Montana was fifth place in their conference. Give um, me a break. Yeah, they got blown out. I thought when they got blown out in that last game, that knocked them out. How they going to win a national? So, so my argument to the people at the table is you believe in your heart of hearts that Montana is going to win the national title. And they just lost 55 to XYZ. You believe that this team that you about to put in the playoffs has a legitimate opportunity to win a national title. That's yeah. BS. You know, but when and you don't have somebody at the table arguing that point, they get to sit around and say what? Sorry, I've started to curse. But they <laughs> they get to sit around and say what the fuck they want to say without any accountability or any consideration irregardless of what's going on. And they'll say, okay, well, fam, you needs to play, you know, uh, how you manage your schedule. Well, guess what? At the time when we made this schedule, you know, our team was on probation, um, and we weren't really even thinking about playoffs. We were just trying to, you know, and our team, our athletic department had a major deficit. So it's like, so how do we get, uh, how do we maximize this and generate revenue? So the people that got together to put together these schedules said, okay, well, a Division two playoffs wasn't necessarily a consideration at the time. We play this Division two team, they'll pack our stadium, we generate some revenue, and that's it. And they're competitive D2 teams, you know. I don't think that, uh, you know, and the reality is that a lot of these Division two teams, the upper-level Division two teams, are going to be competitive with your FCS teams, which is a point that nobody wants to talk about. West Florida would wipe a lot of these teams that are in the playoffs now. They would be competitive with them now. You know, let's take uh, Delta State. Delta State would beat the brakes off some of these teams that's in the playoffs now, but they talk about, quote, unquote, it's Division Two. It's football. And they have transfer portal, portal athletes just like everybody else. They've got X's and O's just like everybody else. But when you look at what you want to look at, you excuse what you desire to excuse and you look over what you desire to look over because nobody's at the table to tell you your ass is wrong. I'm yeah, done. You guys definitely um, make that schedule great. Like, you got, there's no complaints with making a schedule. Like, I don't see how anyone can say you guys didn't make a good schedule. You got scheduled South Carolina State, one of the best teams in recent memory in that MEAC, like one of the upper teams, especially given the teams that left, they are the best team historically remaining in the MEAC. And then you got scheduled an Albany State team that made a D2 playoffs and a North Carolina team. So it's, it's no complaints about the schedule. I think the real complaint, like you said, is just using different inconsistencies with the criteria um, between choosing Montana and choosing or choosing FAMU, I think those those are really the inconsistencies. Like you said, neither team, by the committee standard, neither team probably has a quality win. I think Alabama State and Southern are better than anyone's Montana beat, in my opinion. So if we're going to say none of those are quality wins, then we're going to go to, like, who has the best, least quality win. And I would say FAMU does. So I think, yeah, it's just, like you said, inconsistencies. Right. It's, it, they look at what they want to look we at. Yeah.
Yeah, I, Stan, I, I appreciate your your time, your, you know, being able to kind of sit and soak this up. And I, I maybe, I, like, there are a ton of other conversations, and maybe I would love to be able to do a, a deeper dive with you. Maybe, I, I don't know if you're able, if, as we go forward here, if you're able to gather more information from folks, I mean, given the access that you have, and then maybe we could do a deeper dive into this because there's a lot of things here. And, and I know we're in a, a shorter space and time to talk about this. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I can we can get you back on here in another week or two and kind of readdress this maybe in a long form version um, and, and be able to really bounce these different ideas. Uh, so my last I won't even go to last thoughts, but I just want to just wanted to say that to you because I know we went over our time and I appreciate you kind of coming in with us. Um, I'll give you a final word, final thought. Uh, let people know how they can find your articles and then let's uh, let's offline kind of figure out how we, when we can do uh, an additional uh, version of this. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Stan underscore Becton. Um, B-E-C-T-O-N spelled right on the screen right there. Um, and then for my articles, you can just find them on NCAA.com. Uh, just go to the football FCS section. Basically, I do all the articles there. I don't think I don't think anyone else has written any articles um, FCS related this year. <laughs> if they have, I probably missed it. But yeah, I write all those articles there. Um, and then, yeah, just final thoughts, I think. Um, the biggest takeaway was that the committee was inconsistent as far as their determining factors for different teams as far as uh, picking the, those final at-large bids. And I think that FAMU was a playoff caliber team. And I think, I, like I said, I'm of the opinion they should get in, but I also can see why the committee did. I don't have to agree with it, but... I, I am excited for the playoffs <laughs> one way or the other. I am excited for those. I wish Van U was playing in it because one, I like to see the band too. So, well said, <laughs> well said. And, and again, Stan Becton was not on the selection committee. So again, folks, uh, do not send hate mail or emails to Stan. He had nothing to do with it. And we appreciate Stan <laughs> for coming on. We will have another. <laughs> podcast another forum where we do long form version with stan and we can uh we can do this again so stan thank you for your time tonight let's take a a short break come right back to the ong strike zone uh and we'll see if our next guest is still hanging in the, in our waiting room with us so uh again stan beckton ncaa.com we'll be back in just a moment <laughs> It's like a loop machine. Going around town, trying to get down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. You see Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. We are making the virtual HBCU experience available wherever you live through Stillman Online. 
We offer online degrees in business, criminal justice, psychology, and religion. Stillman also offers technology badges in cybersecurity and data analytics. You can participate in all student activities, fraternities and sororities, internships, graduation ceremonies, and much more. Apply for admission today at stillman.edu. Stillman College, where we prepare you for a different world. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Kelvin, Kofi, the champs are here. The head coach of our championship volleyball team, Coach Gokhan Dilmaz, always gracious with his time, always a you know finding time even to come on with us when we run late. Coach, we appreciate you. How are you doing this evening? Very good. Thanks for having me uh, and happy to be here with you all. Yes, yes, and, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, uh, to the coaches, your, your players. Uh, coach, uh, we, we did it. You did it. Back-to-back uh, -back SWAC titles. Uh, what, are, what are the emotions of having to go through this season, and, and, and how rewarding does it feel to do it again and, and, and the way you did it? Well, um, thank you, first of all. Uh, and I want to congratulate our football team and coach Willis Simmons having another great season. I know um, they wanted to be, they deserve to be in the playoffs, but fortunately their season came to an end. Um, also congratulating Coach Pillow on having the first win earlier this year. Uh, they are more improved. Uh, so that's really great to see. Uh, for us, uh, season um, started with the certification issues like did. Um, we scheduled much better this year. Uh, uh, I believe we have nine teams that are in top 100. We played early on. Um, just to give you an idea, James Madison is number 21 in the country right now. They won their conference. Uh, we lost five sets at home. Uh, Yale is another team that won their conference. Uh, it was a very close match for us. They're, they're number 20 in the country at the moment. And uh, Florida State, we played a very competitive match against them. Uh, they're number 29. Um, so all of those matches we feel like were winnable. Um, even South Alabama at South Alabama in that fourth weekend. Um, but after that uh, zero and seven start, which is unusual for our team uh, with all the experience, have, uh, we were able to put everything together. And um, I believe SWAC was significantly better this year than it was last year from top to bottom. Uh, even the teams that didn't make it to the conference tournament were much better competitive. Um, and uh, we played a better season, I, I think. And, um, you know, we didn't win the regular season last year. We did this year. So that was a plus and the fantastic conference tournament overall uh, program as a, as a whole unit. Go ahead, Kelvin.
You're on mute, Kevin. You're on mute. Can't hear you. Let's see. Make sure we can hear you. We got you now. Test one, two. Kelvin. Okay. All right. There, there we, go. we go. Now we hear you. Now we got so, you. Go ahead, Kelvin. So, so, Coach, I want you to talk about the tournament itself. Um, you went on the feedy. You swept everybody you played. Uh, you ended up playing Bethune because they pull a upset um, in their first round and uh, on Saturday. And then you uh, play Alabama State. A team that, you know, we had some real battles with throughout uh, the regular season. Um, we split. Um, they got the tournament first seed because they won their game against us with uh, let, losing less six, I think it was, versus when we – I think we went five with them and, um, and I win, and they went four. But just talk about what went right for the team and what was the mindset going into the tournament. Well, um, I think the match we lost to Alabama State at home helped us quite a bit preparing for the conference tournament. Sometimes you lose these matches, it gives you a list of things you have to work on, and it also motivates you to, to do better next time you play these teams. And we had to go through Jackson, Alabama State, uh, Grambling, Bethune-Cookman, and those guys to win a conference championship. Um, we were very nervous for our first uh, first round match against Pine Bluff. Uh, they had a good season. They played a very competitive match against us first time we played them. We were able to beat them in four sets. You're right, Bethune-Cookman played a very good first round, but they beat on the upswing. Uh, their coach, Brittany, has done a very good with that young group. They keep improving every week. Um, but but I played very well match our servant pass was uh very high quality our focus was exceptional in all three matches and then going to alabama <coughs> state they a lot of things that um we were not used to we were not prepared in both matches we played the season but after the both times we um, it, it gave us a very good list of things to work on and um, we were able to catch their lineup uh, with the matchups we wanted because they keep switching their position of their players. Um, but what a great performance from them. Uh, but one more time, our uh, servant pass, pass was very good. Uh, our experienced players were um, spot on with their, with their leadership. And uh, I can our staff helping us to prepare our team as well. From assistant, from our assistant coach to our uh, trainer <coughs> to uh, our strength and conditioning. Go ahead, Kofi. Man, I'm just so proud of you guys, man. It's it's just a blessing to be able to go through the adversity that you all had to go through at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. just really with all the compliance stuff or the lack of what we had in terms of resources, and to get these guys to a championship level is uh real kudos to you what i want to talk about is what is the interest around the famu volleyball program from a recruitment perspective and where we are now and where are we going yeah thank you uh and again i'm very glad we won uh we had a successful season even if we didn't win this it would still have been a great season for us and a lot of individual accomplishments as well um ring uh, has improved quite a bit um we have four kids that uh, committed and all 
four of them signed. We'll announce them uh, coming week after Thanksgiving. Uh, they're fairly local. One of them is from Fort Walton Beach. Uh, two of them are from Atlanta. Uh, one actually has connection to Tallahassee. She used to live in Tallahassee, went to McClay sometime. That is a former uh, professional basketball player, played at TCC, uh, and now season played long time. Uh, she plays for one of the best clubs in the country uh, in Atlanta. And then the fourth one is from Birmingham, so a fairly local uh, and we'll still look at some transfers too. Uh, I would expect to have a class of six or seven, uh, but that four we're uh, expecting to announce um, announce in the upcoming week. Uh, and recruiting wise, um, the year I got the job here, we had a recruiting list, zero kids, to be honest. Um, we followed a staff that didn't recruit domestically, uh, that didn't respond to emails, that didn't go out and watch kids. Uh, so we had to build uh, a recruiting list from nothing. And right now we have a good group of kids we watch that are class of 2024, 2025, even some 2026. Uh, over the summer we were able to watch. We can't contact those kids, obviously, but we can continue to see how they're developing. And uh, when you start winning, uh, kids, more families want to be part of it. Um, so I'm expecting... Uh, recruiting to even um, get better from here. Uh, Coach, I'm, I want to talk a, about or, or want you to talk about uh, Dominique and Iram. Um, Dominique Washington, I, I think her story is one of the is one of the best stories that I've honestly paid attention to from somebody who was a role player at a power five to come over and become a two-time player of the year in the conference. I mean, that, that isn't, that, that, that's, that's big time. I mean, I, I, it, it almost feels like, like she found her game at FAMU or, or, you know, said what, what you and the coaches did, to uh, allow her to be able to blossom into the player that she probably always was, I just speaks volumes. And then Iram has been uh, a dominant player uh, a, a, a over the past couple of years. So, I mean, those two young ladies sort of setting, you talked about this championship tradition now that, that the expectation you're winning, the recruiting is going to get better. The, the expectation, the bullseyes on the back. And I feel like Dominique and Iram are, are part of that. Talk a little bit about what they mean to you, what they mean to this program in its first couple years in the SWAT. Yeah, both of them are not only great volleyball players, but uh, great individual. Uh, they're not only uh, winners on the court, uh, they're winners in everything in the classroom, and they'll be winners in life. Uh, we were lucky when both of them committed. Uh, when Dominique committed, we knew we had a major piece uh, to build a championship group here. And, and at home uh, at FAMU, that's what happened. Um, like you said, she was always talented. Um, wherever she was one of the best players on the roster, no matter what, if she played a lot or if she didn't. But she came here, found a home, um, really worked on her leadership uh, qualities ended up being one of the players that worked the hardest. Um, and I think that helps um, our culture quite a bit. And Iram, same way. She um, 
is going to be graduating and um, you know i'm confident she'll play professional when she goes back home uh very good setter but that's another kid where you can push them to the limit in practice uh, with no issues although they know they are one of the best players in their position uh, regionally and in some cases uh, in the entire country um so when she committed we had a huge piece as well um, but the other kids that came in really provided great competition to those also. Um, you know, the setters we added were great competition Iram and, um, you know, outsides that were added. I mean, I always tell my team, even our third, fourth players in those positions are top four uh, SWAG players. They can play in a lot of these teams and they can play at a very high level. And I think one of you mentioned earlier, uh, libero position, Jada Taylor was preseason libero of the year that she fit into a defensive specialist role for us this year um, because Brooke Hudson was so good. And uh, same thing, Jasmine Rock was second team all conference last year, um, played some this year, uh, ended up uh, not being in top two in that uh, position, outside position she plays, but she provided great uh, competition for us in every practice and that definitely helped push uh, uh, Nick and Iram uh, day to day and um, they I think the group that started this is the group that graduated two years ago so the group with Alexis Gaucher, uh, Valentina Carrasco, Yvette Garza, Dimitrova sisters um, they've uh, they paved the way for this but this group really uh, took it to heart and helped us uh, take college as champions. Go ahead, Kelvin. So, Coach, let's talk about uh, projections for the NCAA tournament. Uh, what, what are the possible locations and seeds? And um, how do you feel, uh, you, you, how your team is? Um, going into that tournament, and what are they doing for the holidays? Did you let them go home? Uh, are y'all still together or what? Yeah, um, there is only uh, one team that can host driving distance to us. That's Florida. Um, so it looks like that's where we end up. Georgia Tech had a chance. I think they were 18. You have to be in top 16 to host. Um, and they lost to Pittsburgh today. That would have been a very if they pulled it off, I think they lost in five sets. So I don't know if they'll be able to be one of their hosts. Um, Florida State was too low to be in top 16. Uh, I don't think they'll be hosting as well. Uh, and uh, as we discussed in the past, uh, volley first two around regionalized. Um, so would expect to, to be ordered regional again. And um, yeah, we practiced this morning. We had a very early practice. Uh, we let the kids go home for a couple of We'll be back Saturday afternoon to practice. Um, so we'll have a couple of practices that day, Sunday, uh, and that Sunday is the selection show, of course, and, and then uh, continue getting ready for the first round. Okay. All right. C Kofi, uh, go ahead and uh, close it up with, uh, with Coach there. Awesome, man. So I remember you earlier in the season were talking about uh, the next year tournament or the tournament, hosting a tournament next year. Are we still looking uh, in that regard of hosting a volleyball tournament um, in 2023? And if so, what's that gonna look like? Do we have a date? 
Yes, it's in the works. Uh, it's going to be the second weekend in November. Um, I believe it's going to be a three-day tournament. I don't know if it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We have South Alabama coming. Uh, we have North ANT very interested. I think they'll end up coming here too. Um, so we'll find a fourth team. Um, so we're looking to be here for, for that weekend. And uh, I believe the first tournament we hold on uh, uh, in Tallahassee on our campus. Kudos, Coach. Congratulations, sir. Thank uh, you. Coach, one, one, one final thought, Coach, one, or one last question, and I, I, I brought this up earlier. With, with the fact that our, our incoming AD, uh, Miss uh, Tiffany, or, or AD uh, Tiffany Dawn Sykes, is a former volleyball player, have you two had a chance to talk, uh, sort of, so to speak, talk shop, talk volleyball, and does it – does it feel has have you gotten any inclination that oh hey this is a this is a good thing not just because of who she is but she's a volleyball player she she understands what we're going through and and what we have to go through and 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 just a different perspective than maybe if she were an administrator that had a a, a different perspective of another sport. Yeah, we uh, as coaches had the opportunity to meet uh, Tiffany when she came for the interview. Uh, she was very personable. Uh, she got a high praise from everybody on campus while she was here. And during the homecoming week, uh, she showed up at one of our practices at 6 a.m. So she was bright and early there for the practice. Uh, we encouraged her to jump in and practice with the kids, but um, she did that. <laughs> Um, after that, we haven't had much conversations. Uh, she called me after the uh, after the chat briefly. I think she was trying to catch a flight, congratulate us, and congratulate the team. Um, uh, I believe she's going to be a blessing for our program. I also want to point out Mike Smith has done great for our team too, uh, with the support that he's providing in the interim basis. And President Robinson has been great. Uh, even arranging the, the um, arranging and greet when we came back in town uh, on Monday, right before the basketball game, and introducing him, having a great crowd there, that was really good. But uh, we believe Tiffany will go um, behind the volleyball team. Now we have the momentum, and really help us push this as uh, one of the marquee programs here, not only at the university, but in town, that we make it as competitive as uh, Florida. We're not only expecting to win conference champion, but we're expecting to have very successful preseason records as well. Um, going up and playing Power Five, so beating schools that are consistently winning their conferences in our region. And uh, we can definitely do that. We've shown that we have limited resources. And if we can get behind these kids and behind this program, I think we can do even even better things. Coach, yes, have you sir. been well, to the 220 Club? Yes, I have. Yes, they, they they were generous enough to invite me there a couple of times. Awesome. Well, uh, Coach, we we've asked all of our listeners, anybody who's watching, to make sure this weekend, this week, donate twenty dollars. That's that's ten for each championship that we won in the SWAT. At minimum twenty. Now you know we we put a bigger number out there for folks, but at minimum twenty dollars donated to the Rattler Athletic Fund in the name of the FAMU volleyball program 
And, you know, hopefully we can, we can spur on a little extra donating fundraising that goes into the program, help the, the, the everything that you're doing. And, uh, you know, anything that we can do to uh, help support, we appreciate all your time. We appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to the selection and the actual times. I think you said we, we anticipate to be going to Gainesville again. So that's a call to Rattler Nation to get out to Gainesville. We just need to know what time and what day. And uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, so that's it, Coach. Uh, you have a happy Thanksgiving. What, what's, a, what, what's a dish? What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish, Coach? Oh, Allison was asking me that too. So it's definitely not turkey. I have to, I have to think what it is. So I what, is, what, that. what is going on with everyone's hatred of turkey? Anyway, I, I, unbelievable. I knew you would like it, Brian. So uh, definitely not turkey, but I have to think which one is my favorite for sure. Oh, man. All right, coach. Hey, well, uh, we, whatever it is, uh, I hope it's plentiful and uh, I hope you have a good time. And uh, again, we're thankful for you, thankful for your program, thankful for uh, everything you do for Rattler Nation. Uh, tell all the, uh, the young ladies, your coaches, uh, we thank them as well for being such a great representative of Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. So with that said, God bless. Take care, Coach. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank, Thank you. you. You too. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, let's take a short break, everybody, and come back with the final segment as we wrap up the show right after these words. So, shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. advice on managing your anxiety or tools to help you stay grounded, Coping 19 provides a range of resources and self-care tips to help you cope with this pandemic. We can help. Find the resources that work best for you at coping-19.org. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season.
Strike Zone, uh, Brian, Kelvin, Kofi, uh, wanted to play a short snippet from Coach Willie Simmons' press conference on Monday. Uh, we'll see if we've got that queued up, ready to go. If not, we'll... There's a certain sentiment amongst the committee that we weren't worthy. What that's based off of, I couldn't tell you. Um, I, I do know that it, it seems to me that when you look at it, and again, I don't want to make this a, a, a white black thing or a swag me act everybody else thing, but it's like when you look at teams from our conferences, it's like you look for a reason to not let us in, right? If, you, if I can just pinpoint one reason, compelling reason as to why they don't deserve to get in, we're gonna we're gonna stick on that. Um, and whereas the other conferences, you look for a reason to get them in. Right, a team loses four of their last six games, finishes middle of the pack in the conference. What you point to a week one win over a four win Navy team, right? That's that's justifiable reason as to why they got in. They're the fifth ranked, the sixth ranked team in their conference. They had an FPS win early in the season against a team that's won four games, and that overrides losing four of your last six games. And those four losses are all FCS losses. We lost a game to a Power Five team that's about to play an ACC championship game. We turn around the next week in the midst of the most turmoil that we face in our program's recent history and we draw and we laid the egg against jackson state right with everybody that i know everyone i talked to spoke to the mental makeup of our team at that time and they knew that we were not in a position to go out and play good football then we reeled the guys back in we regrouped and we reeled off nine straight and so to me and just in my career and just in my following college football what you do later in the season carries more weight than what you do at the beginning of the season. That's just the way it's always been, right? That's why they don't release college football playoff rankings until week six in the season, right? So we're penalized for something that happened week zero and week one not consider what's happened weeks seven through 11 or, or six through 11. And to me, that's, that's just, I, I don't have the words to describe it. Cause again, I don't want to make this, you know, uh, a controversial us against the world type of mentality, but it, it just begins to speak to that position that it seems like the committee was finding a reason to not let us in. And there it is. Uh, Coach Simmons could not have been any uh, more clear uh in his thoughts and that was his very first press conference on monday morning now he also had some comments uh which i think you've seen in some other shows or uh at the swack media or swack press conference of course he had his own coaches show on tuesday but that right there ladies and gentlemen um i i Look, there, there's two thoughts here, and, and then I know we're short on time here. Um, 
I I I don't want to see what Coach Simmons has said over the over that forty eight hour period be lost because I do feel like there needs to be some support behind him from somewhere. I don't know if it's interim uh, AD Mike Smith. I don't know if it's future AD Tiffany Dawn Sykes. I don't know if it's Dr. Larry Robinson. I don't know if it's the mayor of Tallahassee. I don't know. It, I, it could even be the commissioner of the SWAT. But somebody needs to stand behind the words of Willie Simmons from an administrative level and say that what was done is inconsistent. It shows a there's a history of inconsistency. And it needs to be addressed. You have penalized the SWAC. Thus, now you penalize FAMU for not being a part of the round table of the FCS. That's really what this is. We are penalized because we aren't at the table. Because we have chosen to do our own thing and create a playoff system, okay, because of financial needs and concerns and and, and what we've recognized back hey, in history will show you, you've regionally screwed with us, us being swack and me. You screwed with us and you sent us to far off lands to play against people that we shouldn't beat because we can't take our huge fan base out there, or at least so you think. And then we have to go play in far off places, even when we've had good teams and good programs. So we recognized we were getting screwed, and that's why we got out of the FCS playoffs, to be honest, for those who don't know, for those who just entered the HBCU space over the last five years or the last three, that's really what the history is. We all know it because we've seen it. FAMU knows it because it happened in the very first championship when FAMU was a part of 1AA. So somebody from an administrative – now – with that, with that said, though, I don't think that's going to happen, fellas, because what's coming up here for the SWAC is what is supposed to be the SWAC's focus at this point. SWAC championship game, celebration bowl. If we talk about this at this point while it's hot and fresh, it takes away from that other thing. So I, I don't know. That That's just my thought, and I know we're short on time. We'll talk about it in another long-form podcast, even maybe even next week's show. But let's go final thoughts about this whole thing uh, in, in, in a shorter, in a little two-minute segment, if you can. I'll start with you, Kofi. Well, in a nutshell, I mean, you hit on all of the necessary points. Um, the reality is, um, let me let me hit one of the first ones, which is, uh dr robinson should have made some sort of statement it would have been nice to get a statement from ad smith um to back what coach simmons said and to refocus um our mindsets towards the future you know it's always about vision where we are now where are we going and how are we going to get there um it's it's also important for us to understand what our goal is from game one which is to uh at the beginning of the season which is to win the swag and get to the celebration bowl that's that's job one for us that's what we said that we wanted to do that's what we need to do that's what we need to do so 
understanding that aspect and the point of it, let's get it. But what needs to happen? What is what is the what is the solution? And what's the end all end all? At the end of the day, for both the SWAC and the MEAC, if uh, a second place team is eligible for the playoffs, and we still have eligibility or eligible teams, you know, let's say uh, Howard and NCC are both ten and one, right? They're both ten and one, and the second place team has an opportunity to go to the playoffs. You know, if you. If we still have eligibility to go to the playoffs, we need to have representation at the selection committee table. Otherwise, they're going to continue to do what they've always done, which is overlook our teams, overlook uh, the value of football or the, the 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 level of football that we're actually playing in the conference. I remember when Appalachian State played South Carolina State at home. I think that was the Curtis Pulley year. I think it was 2008. Um, in a year where Appalachian State had already won the title, they were going for a back-to-back title. If South Carolina State makes that freaking kick, they literally probably could have won the national title um, with South Carolina State, but he didn't make the kick. They ended up losing by a couple of points to a team uh, that ended up winning the national title and also beat the University of Michigan. So they really, 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 you know, um, need to address the uh, the clear bias. They need to do, uh, address the criteria for us making the playoffs. And they need to address where, uh, what the rank is and how they're coming up with this level of criteria and be able to properly justify it. And there should be more accountability there. Um, you know, it's just like me having a conversation about you and you not in the room. That's ridiculous. Hope you don't do that. I hope you don't do that. And it's disrespectful. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, Kelvin, your uh, final thoughts. It's about inclusion and, and about justice. What's right? Um, um, you know, I think it's a reason that Appalachian State, Georgia Southerns of the world, Troy's, everybody, Jacksonville State, is a reason why those squads are leaving. The southern part of the uh, FCS is, is banning and shipping going D1, uh, FBS. Um, and I think uh, the FCS schools remaining, James Madison too, uh, but, but the schools that remain are missing the boat. And if they're not careful, um, the boat is going to sink. Um, having the HBCU expanding and making sure they have H- HBCU representation at the table when they're making these decisions, as well as the attendance leaders for FCS have been HBCU for years. All right. If you want to have some viewership in major markets, if you want to get some more corporate dollars, if you want to make FCS uh, playoffs actually monetize, right? Where it's actually making some money for the schools and for the FCS and NCAA, then um, it probably would be really smart, honestly, of uh, the FCS to uh, make sure that they include uh, 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 HBCUs, frankly. Um, because at the end of the day, um, I'm going to say a hard truth. Not many people give a damn 
about them winning the LCS title once it's mm-hmm. over, right? Mm-hmm. Not many people watch. So expanding that pool, having that inclusion, uh, first, it's the right thing to do. Secondly, HBCUs have proven that they're capable and can, uh, especially FAMU. Our history is our history. We got a different playoff history. We got we have a national title. All right, we've won games against in, in the playoffs. So so all this uh bias about getting in the playoffs, we, you know that that falls on mute ears for our fan base. But I'm just saying in general, uh, if they ain't careful, HBCUs, we might end up doing our own thing anyway. Uh, cause you know we we pulling fifty five thousand at our classics, right? Mm-hmm. We get a million dollar for the celebration bowl. So mm-hmm. I mean, FCS, you better wake up. Mess around and we end up doing what the Ivy League did and just stepping away from y'all all together. Um, that's gonna do it for tonight's show. We wanna say uh, again, thanks to uh Stan Beck at NCAA.com. Go make sure to check out all his stuff there. Go uh, and also thanks to uh, Coach Gokhan Yilmaz, uh, head coach of our championship, two-time SWAT champions uh, volleyball program. The selection show will be this upcoming Sunday, and we'll find out whether we'll end up playing Florida again in the Gainesville region or regional, or whether we are playing somebody else. Um, it's been, you know, I'd I'd love for us to play someone other than Florida, but you know. It is what it is, right? Um, but we'll just worry about that. Congratulations again to uh, the FAMU football team winning the Florida Classic. Uh, we'll talk about some of the news and notes next week regarding some of the guys who have already uh, started entering their uh, their names into the NFL draft. I saw Isaiah Lamb did that. We'll talk about the finalist awards. I know Xavier Smith is part of the Walter Payton finalist list. So we'll talk about men's all basketball. that. Ah, yes. Men's basketball got their first win of the season against Albany State. So congrats to them. Now now they got to go out on the road and collect some checks and uh, win some games next week, I believe. Um, our women's basketball team, uh, our women's basketball team, yeah, good good job. That, I, that's all I'm going to say there. I'm going to leave that alone, boy. We... <laughs> We don't mess don't mess with the lady rattlers this year you you don't want none that's all i know you you don't want none from these girls this year i love the i, I love the i, I want to make sure i say this right i love the fight i don't love fighting i love the fight i don't love fighting i gotta say that right okay don't start no won't be none there you go there you go not this year you the alma mater say that we fight and win whatever the battle be Right, and if you and if you roll up on a rattler the wrong way on the basketball court, you know you're gonna get these two fangs like this, and you know what we do, Rattler Nation. We strike, strike, and strike again if you come at us wrong. Hey, everybody, have a happy Thanksgiving. Make sure to eat some turkey; it's good for you. I don't care what we the rest ain't of you eat guys no turkey. Say. Put some gravy on it. Get some stuffing, some yams, Cornish collard hands. greens. What? Cornish hands. Oh my God! It's time to. Are you shaking your head too, Cornish? Oh Lord, him. Cornish is to... good, but we doing Cajun this year. We ain't doing. We ain't doing Cajun no turkey. turkey. Doing... You knew Cajun turkey? 
Change some terms. We ain't doing it. We, I done told you we're not doing it. We're not doing tradition. I want to man. Anyway, that's it for tonight's show. <clears throat> Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Eat well. Be well. Uh, when you see a rattler in the street, put two fangs up. And then you see somebody come at you wrong, just strike. Strike and strike again. Good night, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Peace out.